It's your favorite time of week when Brooks and Chelsea meet to talk about all things Ren. It's for your information. So take a seat and listen up, because this is going to be some really good stuff. Grab your coffee and listen in. It's for your information. But seriously, don't forget your coffee. Good morning. Well, it's morning for me right now. Welcome to another episode of FYR. We have a new guest, two new guests for you all today, a couple people who have not been with us before. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing well. I'm I'm happy we're getting a little bit closer to Friday. Yes. And it's been a busy week, so I, I am definitely ready for a little rest and relaxation. Awesome. Me too. Me too. Well, we don't have housekeeping items for you all today, so we're going to jump into our topic, which is all about our Commonwealth Donor Advice Fund program. So this is um, just another offering that we have with our DAF op provider, and we have what we've deemed the Heathers with us today. So we have yes. Heather who is from Wren and works on the Commonwealth DAF, and then we have Heather Zach, who is directly from Commonwealth, who we partner with. Hello, Heathers. How are you? Hello. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> Hello. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. What we'd like to do is to get um, just an overview of the Commonwealth DAF program from both of you and a, a little bit of history from each of you, just how you came into the industry and, and what you like working on with Commonwealth. Without further ado, if you all can give us a brief overview of the Commonwealth DAF program um, that we sponsor here at RIN. So I'm Heather Kruger, and I'm the primary contact for the Commonwealth program. Um, I've only been at RIN about a little over a year. Um, I work exclusively on Commonwealth and then also SEI and UBS. I did get some history um, from Brandon Hamrick, who was a very integral part of the initial coming up of the program. The program's been around since 2014. That first year, at the end of that year, we had 40 DAFs in the program, and currently we have 1,500 plus what? DAFs in the program. The partnership with Commonwealth is wonderful. We have monthly meetings with different um, areas. So we have Chelsea there, Ariel attends, Heather Zach is there. There's also representation from the cashiering team at Commonwealth, as well as transfer of assets, new accounts. We partner with them extremely well, very streamlined the process of everything of, you know, internal cashiering for invoices. We can directly email them, very responsive. It's very, very streamlined, very great program to be a part of. Cool. Sounds oh, like yeah. the growth you guys have had in a short amount of time is, that's amazing. We're pretty happy about it here at Commonwealth. <laughs> good, good. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear that. Yes. It's my, it's my little baby for sure. This has been my, my baby for the entirety of our program. So I'm, I'm happy to watch it blossom. So you've worked with Ren also since 2014? Yeah, that was uh, when I came into my role here at Commonwealth. We were in the, in the process. We've had a relationship with Renaissance for forever. But when I joined the team in 2014, we were building out our private labeled program, uh, which launched in, I think, October of that year. Uh, and I joined the team in February. So it was one of my first projects uh, that I was involved with and then was passed off to me in its entirety. And I've watched it grow from a, a little, little infant into a, a fully mature adult now. <laughs> 
definitely is. So from your perspective, Heather Z, what was really the integral part of growing the Commonwealth program from 50 to 1500 accounts? Great question. And I think it, it's due to work on both sides, uh, both Commonwealth and Renaissance. So my role here at Commonwealth, I'm part of the advanced planning team. We're a team of 11 question mark, attorneys, DFPs, DHSBs, all the alphabet soup. Uh, and we consult with our financial advisors on a whole host of financial planning topics, uh, including charitable planning. You know, this has always been a conversation piece. Talking about donor advised funds has always been part of our conversation with advisors. But, you know, when we private labeled, we started to really kind of ramp up our conversations about it. You know, we had Renaissance doing some more marketing and we went from talking about DAFs probably once every couple weeks to probably uh, 10 times a day. For us, it's, you know, part of really any client's financial plan could include donor advised funds. So we talk it up quite a bit, but over the years, I think our marketing has really evolved on the, the Renaissance side as well. We Renaissance has been part of our national uh, conferences for as long as I can remember, you know, having a booth and coming up this year, there will be a speaking spot, which we're super excited about. But having our advisors, you know, get the opportunity to, to chat with folks from REN about the program, uh, put faces to names and, and really get the word out there was helpful uh, all along. And then we've really gotten into some more concerted marketing efforts um, with the Renaissance marketing team of, you know, targeted focus groups and emails and campaigns. We've come a, a really long way. We've done a lot of webinars. We're just kind of spreading the, the gospel of donor advised funds wherever we can. Which is great. I think generally that's one of Ren's goals is just to get donor advised funds out there more um, so that people know that that's an option for their financial planning. So knowing that that's really forefront for you, one of our largest partners, that's what's exciting. Definitely. I know a lot of times when you, you know, there's a lot of positive, obviously, that has gone into the program to grow it from 50 to 1500. What are some of the challenges that you faced during that time? I think, you know, we've definitely had growing pains over the years. Um, you know, our year-to-year -year growth has been extremely high. So we have a, a really large volume of accounts being opened, of granting activity, uh, of contributions coming in. So whenever there's that sort of exponential growth, there's always going to be times where, you know, we kind of can't keep up. And so we've experienced that certainly over the past however many years. And I'm sure Heather can speak to it. Heather Kay can speak to it on the Renaissance side. But, you know, for us, it's always just been about customer service, you know, having the ability to, you know, tell our advisors they can confidently give a call over to Renaissance and get answers to their questions. That's really crucial. And there have been periods where that's been a little challenging. But now Heather and the, the group of folks that she's working with, uh, we don't hear those issues anymore. We've got such a, as Heather was saying earlier, we've got such a strong partner we're so fully integrated, I think, with each other that we've gotten past any of those sort of hiccups. And I think, Heather, you can speak to this, a lot of the automation that's happened on your side, getting away from manual processes. Absolutely. I mean, the, the invoicing thing is is huge compared to, you know, some other programs where, you know, you're waiting for advisors to send funds and things like that. We don't have a lot of that issue. It, I mean, it's pretty seamless. When it says eight to 10 days to do a grant, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, it's very rare that it goes beyond, which is great from a timing perspective. Yeah, the, the change to the invoicing process was 
huge. And that was, you know, now Heather and her team are sending a spreadsheet directly to our cashiering team daily for any granting activity. And our cashiering team has put a bot into place. I don't really know what that means other than a, a robot, but there's a <laughs> bot that just processes them automatically. Uh, and that changed things drastically. It's been fantastic. And I think even a lot of the changes to DFX that are removing some of the fields that could cause hiccups, those have been really helpful because we used to see a lot of special instructions that were put in that would require manual manual entry and that was ripe for errors. So just a, a lot of the automation has really smoothed things out. I think a, a big part of ensuring program success and health is, is those sorts of things that we're talking about, the automation, the the partnership with the ISP client to make sure that any hiccups that you're hearing were speaking to that and addressing. So really gotten that under our belt with Commonwealth, which has been good from a client perspective. Definitely. Definitely. So Heather, Zach, I'm curious to know a little bit more about you personally and how you came to Commonwealth and what got you into the philanthropic world. Of course. My career path has been a little bit interesting. Went to college for uh, business administration, kind of got into the world of finance uh, sort of by accident. I interned at a broker dealer during um, the last couple years of college and stuck there when I left, um, got my Series 7 license because I could get some free PTO uh, if, I, if I got it. And as a 22-year-old, that was really crucial to me. <laughs> Uh, so I just sort of landed in this industry. I, I jumped to uh, Bank of America and then Merrill Lynch for a while and was in their call center and really wasn't super fulfilled. I knew I, I needed to get some more education to find a, a different path in this industry. Didn't want to get my MBA, so I decided to go to law school, which was a fun choice to make. Um, <laughs> a big <at> choice. <laughs> yeah, just a, a casual trip to law school. Um, but I did that and, and through my so I went to law school in San Diego. I, I currently live in the Boston area. And when I was moving out there for law school, I knew I needed to work. And since I was in the financial services industry at the time, a, a friend of mine told me about this company, Commonwealth, that had uh, offices in San Diego and in Waltham, Massachusetts, where I was, I was living at the time. So I said, oh, seems like a, a good place to check out. Uh, I'll kind of ride this out until I graduate law school and then figure out what I want to do. Uh, so I worked in our service center here talking to our advisors and went to law school at night. Wasn't exhausted at all. It was easy. <laughs> and about halfway through law school, I took uh, a wills and trust class that was required. Really loved the estate planning side of things. Uh, and conveniently, uh, a role opened up on the advanced planning team at Commonwealth at the time. Uh, and I applied and uh, by some miracle, I was given this role, even though I always say that if I was the hiring manager, which I am now, uh, and I applied back then, I wouldn't have even looked uh, another second at my resume. Uh, so I snuck my way onto this team, and as I said, when I when I joined the group, we were starting the the private label process with with you all, uh, and because I had some operational experience, and this is a, a weird kind of hybrid of planning and and operations because we're opening up accounts, we're you know funding transactions. My boss at the time said, you figure this out, figure out how we can make this a better process. It used to be that an advisor wanted to open up a Renaissance account. There were two people uh, in the company that they would send an email to. And that one of those two people, whoever wasn't busy, would reply with instructions and account forms. And that was not tenable, uh, especially since we knew we wanted to grow the program. So I got into the, the DAF side from, from that perspective. And then through my work, 
work with the DAF program uh, and just talking to our advisors about philanthropy, I figured out that that was really my niche for, for the group. Um, I have been involved in philanthropy since I was a child. Uh, I love giving back personally. And this was a great dovetail of kind of my personal and professional. So I went and got the Chartered Advisor in Philanthropy designation. And now I talk to our advisors about donor-advised funds, about charitable trusts, about uh, giving through through clients' estate plans, present on it at our national conference every year. And it's, for me, really rewarding because I get to help our clients, our, our advisors' clients, do something good in the world while also kind of making sense for them with their own financial plan. So it's been an interesting road. I love that. Everything you said, with the exception that you left San Diego. I'm just scratching my head here wondering about it, but no, Boston is nice. I'm not going to argue. England, born and uh, and raised, so I I had to come back to my roots. You get sick of of sunshine and 75 degree weather every day. Well, and you know, and for the many times that I have been out there, they do just move at a little bit slower pace. Oh, they sure do. And it is is one of those things that sometimes I just want to be like, go. I need to get there. Like, we don't operate like that. So I do get that, but what a gorgeous area. But like I said, Boston is not bad either. So I think you just traded one ocean for the other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I get to, to hop over to our San Diego office whenever I feel like it uh, at work. That's awesome. The, the quick caveat, the one time I was in Boston, we took the train all the way to the beach and oh, yes. for, for the day. And it was just so funny because it was like you're stepping back in time. You had, you know, the old gentlemen who were just sitting outside on their little foldable chairs and yep. watching everything happen. So it's, it's a lovely <laughs> spot. It's I a lovely know. area. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm curious to know from both of you, you've kind of spoken to it a little bit, but what's your, your favorite part about being involved with the Commonwealth program? Okay, you want to kick this one off? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I love just helping the advisors if they've got any questions. Um, everyone's extremely nice. They're very, with having the community link on the Commonwealth side, they're very educated and everything is right there for them mm-hmm. to be able to, to do things easily. There's really no issues with paperwork. Everything's right at their fingertips. So it's just wonderful. Love to hear that. (laughs) That that, uh, page and community link is uh, gives me gives me anxiety at night. There's a lot of instructions that um, I love our advisors, but they don't always love to read instructions. So I, I'm glad to hear that it's it's effective because I get nervous about it. <laughs> I think I, I think my favorite thing is is really just seeing how the program has evolved since 2014 and the the level of communication and integration we have between the two organizations. You know, as I said and as Heather said, at, at this point we've got all of the operational departments kind of have a seat at the table. Uh, Heather and her team are comfortable reaching out to those groups directly. It used to be that I was kind of the intermediary for everything, and we've gotten away from that, and it's been really, really successful. Um, I'm still, you know, obviously deeply involved with the relationship, but I'm not dealing with, you know, every every question that comes in, uh, and I think it's really helped on the Commonwealth side. A, a lot of people here never understood what a donor-advised fund was and what makes it a little bit of a unique animal, and now there's really broad understanding across the organization about it. And I, I think, you know, 
my favorite part about the relationship that we've developed over the years is I feel like I have full transparency. You know, if I needed to to pick up the phone and talk to somebody about an issue, I know exactly who I can call. I don't feel like, you know, there's going to be any barrier to me getting my issue addressed. Uh, Ariel can attest that I will bother her all the time and she <laughs> handled it with a plum. And, and it's, you know, we've really taken the care on both sides over the years to to build the program into what it is. We, uh, pre-pandemic and hopefully again, post-pandemic, uh, we used to do full day summit uh, where I would come out to Indianapolis once a year. Uh, usually Brandon uh, would come out here for, for a day, go line by line through every part of the program to dig into what our pain points were and how we could address them. Uh, and then you know, as Brandon could attest, we usually go out and have a lovely meal and some beverages and have a great time. So it, it's just a really nice back and forth relationship. And, and I feel like, you know, we're we're a very connected organization with, with you guys. And it, it's a, a relationship that I just hope to keep growing. Heather Kay, how many, how many RIN employees work on your team and with the Commonwealth program? It is myself and Carrie Thorne and then Nick Hunt and the Hunter. I think it's always nice to be able, you know, we hear oh, we, we have this account, we do this, and but you don't always know exactly who's working on those accounts, and it, it just closes the circle uh, with, within Rin to actually know who's responsible for doing such great work. And then Heather Z, how many people your side are responsible for helping make the DAF program go round through Rin? Well, my team has 11 folks, so we're, we're having those planning discussions, but we've also, in the last like three months, we've stood up a, a DAF working group uh, that includes me, uh, the manager of our service center, a manager in our new accounts department, our cashiering department, and our TOA group, transfer of assets group, that we meet every month, I believe, to just talk through any outstanding questions our teams have. So they're really kind of leading the charge on the operational front as well. That's great. I have one other question, and then we have fun get-to-know-you questions for both of you. <laughs> Heather Z, I'm curious if there are any changes that are being made with Commonwealth that could positively positively impact our advisors utilizing the DAC program. Well, I, I don't know that there's any significant changes really coming that would directly impact DAF. I, I mean, we are heavily recruiting new advisors, um, and we are trying to skew. We've we've always skewed towards advisors that have kind of a higher production, uh, so they're they're bigger advisors. Um, and often they have bigger clients and we're, we're really pushing into that space and the high net worth space. Um, and I think with that comes so many charitable planning opportunities. It's, you know, we always hear from advisors that it's their top clients that they're they're using DAF with. And a lot of the, the higher net worth clients really come with a lot of philanthropic planning needs. And I haven't mentioned this yet, but we don't only work with you guys on the DAF side. We work with you all on the charitable trust side. We work really closely with your consulting group to identify opportunities for BRTs, DLTs. Uh, and with those, those higher net worth clients that we're trying to bring in, a lot more of that business, I think, is going to be coming through the pipeline. We also uh, are now, as I mentioned, we're going to have a national speaking engagement for you guys every year. Um, having you all present at the conferences has been great, uh, but based on an agreement that we, we built out with Renaissance this year, you all will have a speaking engagement at every single one of our national conferences. So that's going to be really huge 
inclusion will give a lot of visibility to the program. We might be having a podcast in another five years and saying it's now 3,000 accounts. Who knows? I hope so. I hope so. I hope it's 10,000. <laughs> our, our dream is to get this to a billion dollars. So, uh, and I, I think we can do it. We can yeah. do it. Well, let's get into some questions to get to know you all personally. And these are for both of you, by the way. Okay. Um, so to kick it off, what do each of you like to do in your free time? Okay, kick it off. So I play a lot of games, a lot of board games with my husband. Also love to go to concerts. That's my summer thing. I'm going to a huge festival concert next month, at the end of next month in, in Louisville. And it's a four-day oh, kind cool. of hard rock concert in, in Louisville. What's the latest concert you went to here in Indianapolis? The last one that I went to was actually downtown at the Hi-Fi Annex. It was a band called Blackstone Cherry. I went to that last Friday night. I got invited on a whim that day. And so my husband and I went downtown. It's fun. Those are sometimes the best ones too. Yeah. Definitely. I'm extremely jealous. And I might just show up at the Louisville concert and try to find you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take a road trip. Let's go. <laughs> I'll come out too. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I also am a big fan of going to concerts. And I like to go to the theater. I read a lot. I feel like I'm coming off like a big nerd. I also go out a lot. And <laughs> I think COVID kind of made us all like all find our inner nerd a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm proud to be a, a nerd, but I, I promise I do actually leave my house and have fun. But yeah. So is that the movie theater or the... The performance theater. The performance theater. Okay. Yes, the performance theater. Yep. Yeah, that pulls up my heartstrings. I was a techie in high school, so uh, I was a drama kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was a drama kid, but for other reasons. So you know, I think it just comes with being fourteen, fifteen years old. So for each of you, if you have one day full with a full wallet and you could do anything, what would it be? Ooh, oh my gosh! Well, if it's just one day, I, I guess I can't really travel all that far. So I'm thinking really, really nice brunch, Ooh. a solid chunk of time shopping, really like shopping. Uh, then I'm probably going to go see a show, have a delightful meal, and then go out to some place that I wouldn't otherwise go to. Go to some sort of fancy, I don't know, wine bar or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And whatever, whatever you can do to treat yourself, that's, hey, go for it. Oh, yeah. So maybe get some, some self-care, some pampering in there. Do a little, a little spa yeah. action. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I think you have to start really early that morning, though, to get yeah, it's out. Yeah, really day. Spas <laughs> before brunch. So yes. That way you can get that knocked out. Absolutely. Heather Kay, what would you go? What would you go adventure off to? Um, even though it would involve some traveling, um, if it was just the one day, I would definitely get as many people as I could to come with me and go to New York for a day and just mm -hmm. see New York, go to a show, never really been. So that would be a perfect opportunity to to go see everything. It would, and that's a great city to go go explore and spend some money in. That mm -hmm. <laughs> too. <laughs> um, so aside from necessities, what is one thing that you could not go a day without? I gotta ponder that one, Heather. Got anything? Just one thing. Mm -hmm. Necessities. Um, wow. So I have this crazy curly hair and there's a specific sort of serum that I, I can't live without. And I have to buy this certain one. And it's taken years of trial and error of all these different products to figure out which one that I have to have every day. 
I am so glad you went that route because <laughs> I was like, do I need to say like my friends or my, my mom? But I, I mean, I'd like to cheat and say my makeup case, but if I have to pick one item, I'm going to go with my eyebrow pomade because uh, Brandon and Ariel can probably attest to this. My, my eyebrows are, are a thing for me uh, and ca I cannot leave my house without my eyebrows done. Okay. Well, we'll definitely have Ariel and Brandon fill it all in. <laughs> I'm sure they will each have their own special take. <laughs> I love this question. It will make you both think, I'm sure it might take a second, but besides Morgan Freeman, who would you choose to narrate your life? Well, you think I have my answer. Not that you guys care, but Matthew McConaughey all the Oh, dang it. That's what I was going to say. Interesting. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Wow. Just because of the voice and the, and the Lincoln commercials or whatever, whatever commercials. That's that exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm going to go totally different direction and say like an Amy Schumer. Mm -hmm. I want somebody funny who can make my life seem hilarious and great. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that. I really, that's good. That's very clever. Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I like that one. <laughs> Love it. So Heather Kay, you're sticking with McConaughey? I am. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Love that. Thank you to the Heathers for joining us today, giving us a glimpse into the Commonwealth Wren relationship. It's, it's always fun to learn a little bit more and to see the growth and hear the excitement from both sides towards these growing successful programs. So I appreciate you both taking your time. And of course, Chelsea, thank you for another fabulous podcast with me. And we hope that everybody has a fabulous afternoon and take care.